Welcome to The Satisfaction Project, your adults-only guide to independent sex professionals with Aussie escort Georgie Wolfe. This is episode 18 of The Satisfaction Project, and if you've been listening for a while, you may have noticed that we went on a bit of a break over Christmas. Uh, there was a lot going on, and there's been a bit of a gap, so I'm really excited to come back and bring you another fun episode. I really hope you enjoy it. This time around, I'm talking with a regular client of mine. His name is Clark. He's from Melbourne, and he's been seeing escorts for quite a while. We got together to talk about the etiquette around gifting and tipping your escort, whether it's online or in person. Uh, Of course, we're all different. Some workers welcome gifts and tips, um, and some don't. Some clients love giving gifts, and some don't. A lot of clients worry about whether it's mandatory the right way to do it. And I think this is, uh, you know, a really important thing that you should know whether you're a new client or an experienced client. So join me for a candid chat with Clark as we explore the nuances of giving and receiving. Before we dive in, here are regular disclaimers. Firstly, we don't speak for all sex workers. This is an opinion only zone. Second, there's no legal advice here either. It's your job to know your local laws and follow them. And lastly, remember that everyone does things their own way. So no matter what, please follow your workers' advice. Thanks so much for talking, Clark. Um, Good morning and hello again. And I'm really excited, even though it's 8.30 in the morning, to be talking to you. Yeah, uh, good morning to you as well. Uh, Definitely feels just a little bit surreal uh, to be here. It's really cool to get clients talking on the Satisfaction Project podcast. Um, It's something I've really wanted to do. It's just, you know, not everyone is comfortable. And obviously there's still a lot of stigma against clients as well as workers, and it can be really tricky. So like, you know, thanks for sticking your neck out. Yeah, no, and you know, some of it, why it's surreal is uh, the Satisfaction Project was really important to my journey as a client in that, uh, you know, as somebody who's, you know, narrow spicy, as they say, uh, I do a lot of research uh, before I get into any, anything, and I hadn't found any resources that really resonated with me until I came across the Satisfaction Project. And finally, it was like, yes, somebody is speaking my language. This is something I can understand. <laughs> probably uh, because I'm neurospicy too. Yeah, it, maybe. Maybe just a little bit there. of that. <laughs> <laughs> this is good, and I'll really, um, it'll be really nice to dive into that maybe and what you've learned. That would be really cool and also good for my ego, but also just useful. <laughs> um, but before we do that, would you mind giving people who are listening maybe a, just a little quick rundown on like a bit about you and your background, whatever you're comfortable sharing, basically? Uh, so, yeah, uh, as you might be able to tell from the accent, uh, import to Australia from the United States. <laughs> um, uh, in my 40s, uh, in Melbourne, um, and yeah, essentially my journey in is I had been having a really rough day at work and I just needed to be taken care of. So I was looking up uh, a place to go get a massage, called up a clo- couple of local places and mm-hmm. everything was booked out. And then I, I talked to my partner and I'm like, hey, uh, uh, erotic massage places here are, are legal. They're open late. Uh, I just need, like, again, human touch to be pampered uh, with no expectations. And I'm like, can I go to one? I will be good. I will just get a massage. And my partner was like, no, go go for the full experience. Go have fun. Oh, that's amazing. And, yeah, I, I was like, I will fully 
admit I was like, this is a trap, right? This is one of those situations where I'm supposed to say, yeah. no, no, no. And we talked it through. Um, or even for them, it could really be a good. trap. Like I, I can't <laughs> imagine, I can't imagine many um, people saying to their partner, hey, do you mind if I go to an erotic massage place, but just for a regular massage, I promise nothing will happen. Like, of course, something's <laughs> going to happen. So like props to both of you for being so honest and so comfortable. Yeah, well, uh, we've been together for quite a while now, and our communication has always been top-notch, and I think that's part of what makes it work. Uh, there's just transparency, uh, and that sort of led us down the path to what I would I would term us ethically non-monogamous, though uh, mm. so it's always hard with labels these days. Well, it's, it's, it's hit, I think it's becoming so... Um, there's, there's a lot more and certainly I'm seeing a lot more clients who are in open relationships, which just makes me so happy. And it was really nice to meet you. I should probably stop at this point and just let listeners know that, that you are in fact, one of my clients and we've seen each other a few times over the past, what, like six, six months. Yeah. Six to eight months, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. And it's been really nice. I, you know, really, we've had some really nice dinner dates and, um, I just love, I remember meeting you for the first time and hearing about your open relationship, and it just makes me so happy. It's almost like that word compersion that we talk about with ethical non-monogamy or polyamory where you you feel good about someone else feeling good in a relationship. I just love hearing open relationship stories from my clients. Yeah, and uh, I think some greater context there is uh, I've always been a people pleaser just due to, you know, how I was raised growing up and I haven't necessarily taken good care of myself and meeting my own needs. And mm. I think the the unexpected, you know, benefit from it is like everyone in the family is happier. And you know, pretty recently had another discussion with my partner, and I'm like, hey, are you still like just want to really check in? Are you really still okay with this? Mm-hmm. And you know, I got a very emphatic, you know, full body yes of like she can just see and feel the difference of Mm. you know every once in a while me taking care of you know myself uh and going having fun experiences she's like it just is change the tenor of how you're more present with us as well so yeah you know as somebody who's neurospicy you know autistic burnout is pretty common for me particularly because my work can be very demanding and i used to hide and i just don't have to spend as much time hiding now and i think that's you know, I wouldn't call this therapy, but it has been therapeutic in a way. Getting your needs met is therapeutic and taking steps to meet your needs in a way that is good for everyone around you is the best therapy you can do for yourself. And oh my God, I could just, I could, <laughs> this is a whole other episode actually. Potentially, yeah, <laughs> yes. What ethical non-monogamy can do for your sex life that is just, uh, we need to revisit this, put a pin in that because we're coming back to that. But uh, but yeah, it's it's just, yeah, it's really a lovely and you, it's not just about you. It's about everyone feeling happy that that your needs are getting met. It's just lovely. Um, so, but so you've been. When when was that? When did you first start going to massage parlors and then start seeing escorts? Yeah. So uh, that first was just about a year ago, and then there was a couple of months gap between um, going to a massage parlor and. Finding it, it really wasn't necessarily for me. Um, and you know, I started doing my research and thinking about uh, going to see somebody independent because it it felt to me like that would be more uh, in in line with what I would enjoy. 
mm-hmm. having more time for connection. It's why I do a lot of dinner dates and mm. even extended dates that have a, have a lot of social time. Um, and uh, yeah, that was probably about eight months ago. I finally gathered up the courage to reach out for the first time. And oh my gosh, was that a terrifying experience? But uh, it is. You know, got through it, and you know, had a really good time. And as I say, the rest is history. Oh, I love it. Sorry to laugh when you say it's terrifying. <laughs> it's not. It's not funny at the time because it is terrifying. But it is just so so often people's experience, and I hear from clients all the time. Well, sometimes I see them in person where literally they try and pour me a drink and they can't because their hand is shaking too much. Like it is scary sometimes. Yeah, yeah and I would say that the 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 anxiousness has really melted away with time. I think some of the things that I didn't understand. And I think this comes partly from my neurospicy. Like I can take things very literally and you know, things like available now, not meaning available now, uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting used to, you know, like I found very good for me to book ahead at least, you know, if, if not a week, you know, sometimes weeks mm-hmm. in advance, okay. um, much, much better for me than trying to do something short notice. Um, it's but you, nice know, to you have... have to figure those things out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you don't always, and there's a lot to there's a lot to figure out, and sometimes you don't know until you try something, and then it's like, oh, okay, I see why that's a thing that people don't like, or you know, some things are obvious. There are some things that's really obvious sex workers don't like, but there are some things that aren't. So yeah, it is a bit of a journey, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Which I guess brings me to why we're speaking today. Um, so we've been on a few um, dates and dinner dates, and I, we have great chats. It's really good fun. We get into some really interesting topics. Um, and then you also read the Satisfaction Project quite a bit. Um, and then, how do I say this? Then you started tipping me via Beamit every time you read something on my website. It's helpful <laughs> for you, which is just so lovely. And if, I've had it happen a few times, but not it's, it's happened a bit, but not tons. So I do I definitely notice when it happens. But the problem is, this is I'm kind of a bit neurospicy too, and um, you know I'm very much like you know. Good boundaries means that, you know, an, an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. Like these are my rates. I don't expect tips. I've always said I don't expect gifts or tips and like I'm really happy just to be paid the negotiated rate for the service I'm providing. I like everything to be cut and dried. So when people give me things, I get really uncomfortable in a way that's a bit neurotic. <laughs> Up to the point where I think you sent me a few You sent me a few tips over Christmas, which was lovely because I was so broke. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um and um, and then you sent me a couple. You sent me a couple of tips early this year, and I think I ended up getting uncomfortable and insisting on sending you a lingerie selfie to try and even up the score. <laughs> it's tricky, in that the the last thing you know, I would want to do in sending somebody a tip or a gift is making them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and you know, I think if I remember back, one of them, you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna go, you know, buy this." you know, meal, and I think you posted it to Twitter. And for me, that is more than an even exchange, you know, just uh, seeing that something I did had a positive impact, you know, on her life, that, that, just, that's all I need. Uh, that's more I than I need. <laughs> and I feel the same way. I love helping other people out. And myself and a lot of my neurodivergent, um, you know, autistic or ADHD friends love helping other people, but we're really uncomfortable about receiving. Uh, we're much more comfortable giving. And I'm not sure why that is. I think maybe 
wait, we're getting, I'm getting it super philosophical now before we've even gotten halfway through and you'll have to just <laughs> slow down. But like, I think growing up, being on the autism spectrum, I had to kind of figure out the rules of social interaction. And I, I get very anxious that other people might do more for me and I might let them down by not doing enough for them. So I always want to have the upper hand. I want to, I always want to make sure that I'm the person that's helping other people more than they're helping me so that I can feel, you know, secure that, that I'm pulling my weight. But unfortunately that means that anyone who tries to help me gets deflected because I'm like, no, no, I've, I help you so I can feel good about myself. Um, and it makes it very difficult to actually receive. I don't know if that's a common experience for many neurospicy people, whether that's just my particular flavor. Of well, I, I, I can say that for me, it's also challenging as well. So uh, it can lead to, uh, at least I've seen this with other, you know, neurospicy friends of mine. It's like mm. almost a like gifting escalation war yes. where it's like, well, you treated me to dinner. So now I have to treat you to dinner. And oh then you know, before you know it, uh, it never stops. And I think for me, some of it is in trying to get better at receiving, you know, gifts uh, or uneven exchanges is uh, actually projecting myself and how I feel about gifting onto others and, you know, understanding that just expressing gratitude uh, alone is more than enough for most people. And you don't mm. necessarily have to always match. Um, and that in some ways, if you're always trying to match, it can uh, diminish the gift in a way because then it, it can become transactional. It does. And of course, this is the way I'm thinking about it as a transactional tit for tat thing, which is not, um, which is just a reflection on my need to make sure that I'm looking after everyone. But you're right, it does. Because if, you know, if, if it becomes an obligation to give a gift back because someone has given a gift to you, then, um, you know, that's not in the true spirit of things. And I guess this kind of brings us around to, to sex work uh, because, you know, the rules are quite interesting when it comes to escorts. Um, and of course that sort of mutual reciprocated, it's not Christmas, you're not giving a gift to someone and they're giving a gift back to you. It's a whole other ball game. So I'd love to know mm. your experiences with tipping and gifting. Like how, when did you start doing that with workers or do you do that? And how often do you do that? What does it look like? Yeah. So um, again, I, I think partly because uh of the neurospicy side of me, some of it is just building a mental model of uh, like how it is supposed to work and to fit things in. And right, know, some of it is probably being, you know, American and having worked in service work, I've always been a tipper. Um, uh, even here in Australia, uh, if I'm out at a restaurant and I've had, you know, a nice meal, I'll definitely tip, even though I know it's not uh, expected. I think that carried through too. So initially it's, um, you know, potentially extra cash in the envelope. Uh, and for me, that was usually pre. Mm -hmm. um, I have switched more to um, you know, using Beam and not necessarily directly after a, a date, but like mm -hmm. uh, over time where, again, yeah. like if if I've had a memory triggered by something uh, from the person, yeah, you know, sending them, you know, uh, something to cover. You know, sometimes it, it can be small coffee or lunch or a meal. Or if I see that on Twitter that they're, they're wanting to buy something, it's like, yep, I can go beam that over. That's and, lovely. And just for clarification uh, for our U S listeners, it's a uh, beam in Australia is a bit like Venmo. It's a, like a cash app. It's kind of situation. Yeah. 
very easy to use. Um, and you know, to to cycle back to you to that uh, potential discomfort with uh, gifting, you know, it is something that you know, if I'm sensing that, I try to make it very clear in my communications too that you know this does come without expectation. Um, you know, it's that's a really important part of it for me mm. um, because. I think you talked about it, like that transactional nature that comes with being neurospicy. It is a trap that I work very hard to keep my mind out of. Um, so, you know, some of it too is I will tip people on Twitter that I have no intention necessarily of ever seeing if, again, they've posted something that really resonated, uh, if I've seen them helping out somebody else. Um, and that helps me stay in that mind of, you know, doing it without expectation. This uh, feels a little bit like this whole random acts of kindness kind of mm. movement. Um, and I love, I love doing random acts of kindness, whether it's just smiling at someone in the street or checking in on someone in public if they look distressed. I do a bit of that. Um, and I, I fully recognise that I'm not that I'm mostly doing it for me because being nice to other people makes me happy. It makes so, you feel good. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a thing that I do with any expectation of a good outcome. Sometimes if you check, oh, my goodness, some poor lady was taking a nap in the street a few months ago when I was on the way to the shops, and I, an elderly lady, and I thought she might have um, fallen down. Um, so I went to check she was okay. She was okay. She was, um, you know, she was not in the best state. I think she had some mental health stuff. So she, I accidentally woke her up taking a nap and then she started screaming <laughs> at me and I had to run away. But I just did just want to make sure she was all right. So it doesn't always go well. So there's not always an expectation that the other person will go, oh, you're amazing. Like, that's not what I want. I just want to know that I tried, you know? Well, I think a part of it too with like tipping and gift giving is, you know, a lot of sex workers make it very easy. You know, they've got wish lists that will tell you exactly what they're looking for. Um, you know, one of the things for me is uh, I use Twitter quite a lot. And, you know, if they've got their Beamit details uh, in their Twitter info, it's usually a pretty good sign that there's somebody who would uh, you know, appreciate a gift uh, randomly. Mm-hmm. I need to interrupt this podcast for a second to remind you about something really important. I'm recording this on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. It is stolen land, and I'd like to acknowledge that to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening. I think there is a danger, though, of taking that gifting to make yourself feel good too far if you're giving gifts that aren't something that the person would necessarily want or receive because then a gift can be, become a burden. Yeah, well, so, that, that certainly happens in bookings, for example. So, yeah. you know, if a client turns up with size 8 lingerie and you're a size 10, um, that's not – no one feels good about that situation. <laughs> that, that sounds like that could get awkward very fast. Uh, yeah, yes. Um, I, had a, I had a client – I'm pretty sure I can tell this story um, – and hopefully he won't feel bad. I had someone who emailed me and said, oh, I need your advice. I want to gift my worker a present. And she loves her little dog that she has. So I thought I'd take a picture of her dog that I found in the internet and put it on a mug. And I'm like, oh, actually, that's really cool. That's really lovely. Like he's actually, he knows what she's interested in and he's going to a lot of trouble to personalize a gift. But also maybe 
who knows, maybe her house is perfectly curated and she only drinks out of like fine china coffee cups. Maybe she doesn't have any room in her cupboards for an extra mug. Maybe that's not her jam. Um, I ended up saying, look, why don't you just get her a gift voucher for the pet store so she can get her dog some treats? Like there's no need to over overthink it. Sometimes the simple gift is the one that the person will actually find useful. Yeah, exactly that. And, you know, when in doubt, gift cards and, you know, cash are very mutable. It's almost the opposite of Christmas at Nan's. Like, although actually Nan does the cash too, but you know how it's considered sometimes a bit tacky just to give someone cash? I actually think it's wonderfully honest. It's like, hey, I recognize that I might not pick, that you can pick a more perfect gift to yourself than I can pick for you. So, and I would like you to do that. So here's the money. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, it's really nice to hear you talk about this because I, for, for a long time I was very resistant to having a wish list. I was very resistant to asking for money online. And I know that there are some workers online who trash other workers for asking for money online and say it's tacky and stuff, and I think that's really uncool. I think it's really uncool to criticise how other workers do their work. But also what you're kind of pointing out is that there are clients who really enjoy gifting and, you know, by, by putting out those opportunities for them to gift if they feel like it, where, you know, we are actually helping you get something that you want to. It's not just in, about in a very uh, yeah, turnabout way, it is an act of kindness, I think. Right? I feel better about that already. Thank you. You're just counselling <laughs> me about feeling good about all your tips. But, no, it's, it's a good reframe, you know, that people are allowed to ask for things or people are allowed to say what they're into and also people are allowed to give when they want to give. Yeah, and uh, you know, one of the the sort of like key moments for me is uh, there was another worker that was talking about like, hey, if you're engaging with me, you know, on Twitter, you know, consider tipping. Like that mm -hmm. is going to make me more likely to engage with you because it shows that you appreciate my time. Yeah, uh, and that resonated with me because as somebody who you know in my my city life has to interact with the public quite a lot, I very very little get anything back, but. Uh, strife from that and you know mm. seeing it through the lens of like man if somebody showed me appreciation for all of that work yeah i would like that um yeah. and I, I think there's a little bit of uh i think one of the things that i've enjoyed the most too at times is when you get other clients in on in it so a <laughs> worker was having uh uh had been working on uh, a cosplay and I thought it was coming along great. So I sent over a beam to be like, Hey, you know, for extra bits and bobs to complete it. Mm. And then they posted that and in quick succession, we're able to post a couple of others, uh, you know, other clients sort of sending it through. It's sex and, worker Kickstarter. I love it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, things like that, you know, for me in a selfish way, they do make my day, but I, I think it's a kind of selfishness that's okay. <laughs> I think so. I think we get to be when when being selfish means being kind to other people. Uh, yep, yeah, I'm I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Um, I guess I feel like we shouldn't we can't do tipping and gifting a proper service without talking about times when maybe tipping and gifting is not great. And I did just talk about the size eight lingerie when my butt's mm. a size ten, and the you know the the oddly personalized gifts instead of just giving over the cash, but from a client's perspective, are there times when giving might not feel quite right for you? That is a really interesting question. And I think some of that is what's going on in my own head. Like if 
am I doing it uh, out of a sense of my own obligation because I usually tip that I have to tip um, mm. or um, just because I've gifted in the past, you know, do I have to give this time? And, um, you know, I could see it as, for some people that there could be a mental struggle there if, um, because it is something that, you know, for me, it gives me the happy brain chemicals. You know, if somebody, for instance, online has asked to cover help cover drinks when they're out with somebody else, I, I can catch my brain though sometimes going, <laughs> Well, you did it last time, so you should just do it again. And it's like, no, no, that's that's not that's not quite right. It's not a habit. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that you might ever run the risk of thinking of yourself as that guy that tips, and then worrying that your workers only um, like you and interact with you so much because you tip? I so I think the the thing that's interesting there uh, again as a neurospicy client is because of object permanence i'm not somebody who necessarily always interacts with people all the time Let, explain um, that for people who aren't neurospicy because i get it that I, I just forget okay so yeah this is something that i really didn't anchor into until just in the last couple of years but for me uh like i recently saw uh, a friend that i hadn't seen for over a decade and uh, happened to be you know, in town. So we got together uh, for dinner and it was a bit surreal because for both of us, it was, we picked up exactly where we left off. Like we hadn't talked to each other in forever, mm. but it didn't matter. Our friendship just continued from that point. The only just thing that happened course. is we kept looking at each other and we're like, when did you get so old? Ah. Um, <laughs> but for, for me, uh, relationships just go on pause and it's why I've struggled at times to maintain friendships with you know more neurotypical people and that uh, it's not that I don't care about them it's not that I don't think about them but for me it's just on pause and when yeah. they're in my presence again it just resumes so in some mm. ways you know for me I think as a client like this is kind of what happens like things just go on pause and then they they start back up again um, yeah and like yeah. I I do think it is a good question though, because I I would say for me, because I often tip before I've seen somebody. Um, and for me, it is a form of screening. And I wanna be very precise with my language here because it's not that I gift and accept, expect something back. If I've gifted because somebody- that's a thing that happens. Yeah. And before you dive into what you do, I will just, clarify, because sex workers who are listening will be thinking of this, that situation where someone sends a tip and then they send like 10 emails and then they get upset when you don't reply to their emails or they send you a whole lot of DMs. I don't reply to a lot of Twitter DMs um, and then get upset that you don't reply to their DMs because there's this implied kind of contract you've entered into because they've tipped you that you should now interact with them more than you would normally. Um, so that kind of situation happens really often. I think often clients don't even realize they're doing it. They're like, oh, well, I, I we've entered into a transaction now and I started this process. Why aren't you holding up your side of the, the bargain? Yeah, and to be clear, like if it is a transaction, if somebody has like a texting you know, option or something like that, that makes sense. But I think it's very wrong to assume. And in my case, like if I've sent something, like I don't engage first, but 
uh, for me, it's sometimes as it's as little as like on Beam, you can send an emoji back. Like, have they sent an emoji back? I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've never sent you an emoji back. Oh that's, my god, that's fine. But you you do it in other ways. But like, <laughs> that's a very low effort. Sort of like you hold down and it emoji option comes up. Um, getting a little bit of interaction back tells me that this is potentially somebody that I'm going to have a better time with if I were to make a booking. But there is no expectation. I don't expect people to contact me. Sometimes they do, and that's great. Um, but I don't co contact them because I've sent a yeah. gift. And yeah. um, it won't stop me from sending another in the future because that is the nature of a gift without expectations. Mm. Um, it's about the giving. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, they do uh, message me and, you know, we'll have a chat back and forth for a bit. But I don't consider that an open invitation to constantly engage, if that makes sense either. So I kind of feel like for you sometimes, but not always, because it sounds like you you send gifts or tips to a variety of people, but sometimes for workers it can be just, it can function a little bit like that beginning bit of conversation where you talk to someone at a party or whatever, where you just say, hey, and you wait for them to say, hey, back. And if they don't say, hey, back, you just move on and do something else. But if they say, hey, back, you go, you're having a good night. You seem really cool. Do you want to chat? You're like it's that little that little escalation of just working out if you might want to spend more time with someone that can happen. And it sounds like that's maybe a way that you've um, met a few workers that you've spent time with. Yeah. And uh, I think the, the additional context there is um, particularly if somebody is touring, um, you know, if I'm going to you know, do an extended like dinner date or, or beyond uh, having a little bit of, you know, back and forth ahead of time, you know, I think lets us both know that we're going to get along. Uh, nothing quite more awkward than being stuck with somebody that you don't vibe with. Um, I think that is one of the, uh, the things that you know, I've learned in all of this in that, you know, initially, you know, you're going to, um, you know, the various directories and it's a very visual focused thing. For me, I'm more verbiage. I'm very much trying to figure out who this person is and if we'll get along. Mm. And I think the biggest change for me was moving into Twitter. And uh, one of the things that I, I say about social media is everyone always tells on themselves eventually. You can't fake yourself on social media forever. Oh, everyone, and, workers and clients, just in terms yes. of figuring out personnel. Our personality comes through on social media much more than um, than just reading one, one ad or looking yep. at one photo. Yep. And yeah, I found that my experiences have been absolutely stellar since I started basically using Twitter as my way of you know finding people I can I would connect well with. Mm. Yep, yep. It's been it's quite nice, and it's a nice way to feel out clients too. I had a few people follow me, and I, I follow people back if they look interesting. So I go and look at their profile, and if all they've done is retweet Donald Trump and anti-vaxxers, <laughs> no, 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 that person's never getting a reply from me. Sorry. Trump voting people that are listening to this. Uh, yep, yeah, I'm super or lefty. We might we might have to put a pin in this one, but you know, one of the things that I've often wondered too is at this point, my Twitter presence is pretty extensive, and it's like, is that a, almost uh, a reference in and of itself? I don't know. Yeah, it can be if you're interacting with other workers on Twitter and you're doing it super respectfully, um, and you have things to say. I love clients on Twitter that have things to say that are 
interesting and, and not, not just about the workers. So there's a lovely bloke, I can't remember his name, but he, he has some um, to mental health struggles. And so he talks a lot about mental health and stuff on Twitter. He has a he has interests that aren't just trying to talk to a sex worker. And I feel like the clients that have stuff to say and are interesting people, yeah, like you do kind of notice those folks. Yeah. yeah I mean, I will say that I try to focus on like everyday mundane things in the conversation, or in, in my case, also talking a lot about brain hacking because there are a lot of neurospicy oh, uh, so people many. in the industry. And uh, yeah, I've been gaming my brain for quite some time. So I definitely have a lot to talk about on that subject. Oh, <laughs> it's just great. It's just great. What, what you've said has made me realize something too. I think sometimes hmm. I do get nervous when I get gifted, um, not necessarily in person. Some I have some clients that have brought, brought, given me amazing things in session, like, you know, beautiful lingerie, like amazing stuff, chocolate. You can't go wrong. Just putting that out there, boys. <laughs> um, but uh, I think gifts online or before I've seen someone, there's always that little bit of like kind of nervousness waiting to see because you never know and for a lot of people there is that and they don't even realize once they've given a gift they expect reciprocity so they expect something in return and I'm just waiting and there's just that little bit of anxiety coming up as I wait to see what they'll do next and to see whether they will immediately follow up their gift with a big email that I have to respond to and put down my other work and it's going to take a lot out of my day. And then at that point, that gift has become an obligation. And if it was a $50 tip, but they want me to spend half an hour writing them an email back um, to say thank you, uh, you know, my hourly rate just for admin is $120 an hour. So I'm losing at that point. Mm. And I think maybe maybe your approach is screening for me too, because when you send a tip, and I, sure, I do get that little bit of anxiety, like, oh, is this person about to make more work for me? I hope not. And then you don't. And then I go, oh, great. Okay, this is one of the good ones. So maybe maybe that kind of tipping without expectation. Um, you know, we have a lot of experience of the opposite. We have a lot of experience of gifts and tips where we're expected to gush about it so over the top to to reward that person that it almost starts to feel like more work than than the actual gift, particularly if the gift was a little bit not quite on point. Um, but but maybe your approach actually, even though it might be very slightly stressful the first time for me, then I can see that you're a good gifter, which I, ha I have. I have seen that. Well, and yeah, this is, again, some of it is, uh, yeah, I, I do think actions often speak louder than words. And, you know, for some people, you know, they may not come, you know, if they're touring to town for quite some time and being able to establish a pattern of that, of it's just not, it's not just that first, you know, gift where there was no expectations, but that's sustained over time. Mm -hmm. um, again, yeah, I, can't, I can't say it from the other time, but it's, it's some of my way of showing that like, yes, this is, this is who I am. Um, and that's not going to change over time necessarily. We're always nervous and this kind of relationship escalation problem around long-term clients that a client that was just really generous and giving and chill will suddenly become intense. Um, I don't think you're that variety of person, but it's really easy. It's re easy for it to happen as a client that you've been, you know, exchanging, you had certain exchanges with your favorite person and then it starts to get intense and you start to want them to give you a lot back. And we feel that and it can feel really overbearing and tricky. So yeah, it's nice to talk about other ways that this can go. One of the the more helpful ways of thinking about that was 
you talking about you know the relationship escalator and how you know society and media has trained us that relationships have to progress along the escalator um, right one of the things that you know that once you can see something for what it is it, it's done a really good job uh, for me of helping to look inward and you know almost keep things trapped at the crush stage where you, you can have a crush on somebody but it doesn't have to move on from that and i think you know being in a really solid you know core relationship helps a lot for me i could understand yeah. how it'd be harder if you weren't if you were lonely yep yeah like it for me it is kind of a situation where i get to have a whole bunch of different crushes and mm. you know i don't mind that it's almost like having a secret crush on someone because you're not making you're not dumping your crush in your worker's lap and emailing them every day or following them down the street you're just having this like secret like crush on like when you're in school and you just love having this like secret crush on the person that sits at the desk next to you and it's so much fun and then when you do finally connect it has this electricity to it that's amazing but you're not in their face all the time so mm. that like that like enjoying that like secret schoolgirl crush thing um is really it's fun. You, the, the thing I would say about that, uh, I learned a new word recently, uh, limerence. And mm. I realized, uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, it's essentially when you develop uh, a very deep emotional attachment to somebody and it's very one-sided. Um, and I realized, you know, in, you know, particularly like middle school uh, and high school, it's like, oh yeah, that that's what I did a lot. And what I had to learn for myself is if I did start feeling feelings, just acknowledging that yeah. um, took a lot of the power out of it. I do think there's a danger, like for those who are interacting with people online of, you know, forming very one-sided relationships and feeling like you really know somebody when you really don't. Particularly um, with Twitter and things like that, because mm. there's a lot of interaction. But of course, you're still only seeing a little chunk of our day. You're not seeing the whole thing. It's still a online persona and not the whole person, because that's, you know, that's sex work. You're getting a little chunk of us, you know? Yeah, so just being aware of that danger of, uh, you know, projecting more onto it than there is actually there uh, can help keep you safe, I think. Which kind of sounds like how most of us in the world do relationships. So we've all got a bit of work to do around that stuff. And, you know, yeah, therapy is awesome and reflection is awesome and self, you know, really looking at how your feelings and sitting with that can be really helpful. But yeah, uh, I think one of the things that helps me there too is uh, I've had a number of people form parasocial relationships with me uh, in my work and mm -hmm. uh, I can understand, I understand very deeply just how disconcerting that can be. Um, Particularly so some online. of that through is like yeah. when it, when it carries through into real space, it is starting from scratch again. Like, yes, you have right. a few things you potentially have, but uh, again, avoiding those assumptions. It's why they say you should never meet your heroes because you have to then re relearn who they are. You know, <laughs> text. Um, yeah, right. Well, you're my and, hero, Georgie, and I got to meet you, and it was wonderful. So. Oh, oh, we've had great fun. It's been awesome. <laughs> and, you know, like I hope, you know, I haven't said anything dumb in front of you yet, but the day will come, and then it's good because we can. It's very different being in person when you blurt stuff out as opposed to being online where everything is perfectly curated. So it's nice. It's nice to have that human experience. 
Don't forget that we have an online membership program. Membership gives you access to videos on our website that show you how to have incredible experiences with sex workers. We even have a private Twitter feed so that you can connect with your fellow sexual adventurers. To become a member, visit satisfactionproject.com and hit the sign up button. This is really good advice for clients, by the way. Thank you. And while we're doing this, is there any advice that you might like to give to uh, to clients who haven't yet gifted or tipped or want to buy a gift for their escort that they're seeing in person? Are there any really basic things that would be good to keep in mind to not, you know, to not fuck up the gifting or tipping experience? Yeah, uh, you know, because I like to repeat things, it would be, you know, look at your wish lists uh, if they exist. If they don't, you know, a lot of uh, directories have things that they like, like chocolates or wines. So, mm. you know, do your research, look into things that uh, your sex worker is going to like because they've literally said they're going to like them. And if you don't know, you can ask. I know there's this perception that if you ask, it somehow diminishes the surprise of the gift or otherwise. But in the mm. few cases where I have gifted something that, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily on their list, um, it's asking first, like, yeah. And making sure that yeah. uh, that's going to be okay. And if it's not, some of that is to being perfectly fine with it. Um, I know that's always a little bit fraught because even if you ask, you know, does the other person feel safe telling you no? I would always telling hope, you. yeah, that they yeah. would. Um, but a surprise think, yeah. is sometimes not a good surprise. And yeah. it can be really hard if it's a bad surprise for workers to go, oh, that's a, thank you so much. That, that this dress with, um, you know, eyeballs all over it is amazing and it's really awkward and it, it's going to kind of mess with the vibe of your session a bit so always better to ask and not have an amazing surprise than to um not ask and have a bad surprise and i, I have a client who buys me lingerie and the lingerie is expensive and if they mm. bought it without checking in first and accidentally got the wrong size or the wrong thing i would feel really bad about that so that and they always check in they run it by me it doesn't matter that it's not a surprise because they're putting so much effort and thought into it by actually communicating. So yeah, especially when the stuff you're buying is expensive, it's a really good idea to ask first. Yeah. And I think the other part of it that can be tricky as a client is um, gifting doesn't have to be a competition either. Um, I think, yes. you know, particularly if you're, you're following people on Twitter, uh, you you may be like, well, I can't, you know, buy them, you know, the really expensive, uh, Studio Pia lingerie, so it's not worth right. gifting anything at all. And I think you know there is something nice about you know if you if what you can do is send them you know you know a tenner for coffee. Mm-hmm. It's like that that shows you know an appreciation, and uh, that's fine too. Uh, I I think it can be it can be a trap to think that you'll always have to go big or go home. It's a very the the marketing is often very high end lifestyle stuff, which is great. And you know, I love it. I love getting dressed up. I love doing all the sexy stuff. But I also love just eating a really nice breakfast, which I did <laughs> over Christmas, thanks to your fifty dollar tip. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, I have a client who um, is really crafty and just hand makes tiny little things, things that you know it wouldn't matter if I accidentally dropped it or lost it. But little things that in the moment are just lovely, and I really enjoy the effort that they've put in. Yeah. yeah, and definitely think about uh, travel to you know big gifts uh, 
when somebody is on tour? Like, how are they going to get that back? Um, <laughs> Do they have room for it in their house? Um, yeah. I have a, I have a friend who I have one friend who's allergic to flowers, and I have another friend who lives with her partner, and her partner has asked that she doesn't bring home a whole load of extravagant ornaments and things around the house that it, from work because it starts to kind of take over their vibe. Yeah, and I guess the only other thing I would say too is like uh, some of this advice is is hard earned. I have definitely fallen into the the trap early on of giving some gifts without uh, you know, asking upfront uh, or uh, you know making sure that it was something they wanted, and that's where you know I've learned to be clear with my communication because yeah, as somebody who's very in tune to people, like. I felt when they did. I felt when they didn't land, and that was something that I put fully on myself. Oh, um, yeah. And you know, that is also part of that, like gifting without expectation. If they aren't super enthusiastic about it, that's not their fault. That's on me as the gifter. Um, you don't have an expectation like, of a super enthusiastic response because that could become quite uncomfortable. Again, that's for your that's where it gets you know really you know tricky because then if you don't get the enthusiastic response and now you're sulking now there's more emotional labor for both of you to get back into you know a, a place where you can both be present and it's a bad vibe yeah not a good vibe and nobody likes a yeah, sulking ultimately, client yeah like it's like being present is you know a big part of you know having a really enjoyable experience so if gifting is going to take you out of being present or if leaving a you know, tip in the envelope is going to put you into a mindset where you're, you're expecting more, mm-hmm. and then doing it may not be the best thing for you uh, until you Isn't can get to a place where, Sorry. yeah, that that isn't there. Sorry, I'm really good at cutting people off. <laughs> isn't I'm good it at powering through. <laughs> <laughs> ADHD. Um, isn't it interesting that we say present to mean gift, but then we also say present to mean fully focused on the situation? And, you know, maybe this is a nice thing to end on, that sometimes it's not about the gifts and the things that you're bringing. It's about you bringing yourself to the session and you being fully present and fully focused. Um, And that is the biggest present you can probably give an escort, actually being present in the session rather than worrying about whether you picked the right gift or the right wine, but actually just putting those worries aside and focusing on what's going on. And. If I could go back to myself of a year ago and give any piece of advice, it would be to ex- echo exactly what you just said. It's stop worrying and be present. And uh, I think that is the best tip, tip or gift you can give everyone. Oh, so nice. And then, you know, tip later if you feel like it. Yeah, I mean, sure nobody's going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to no one's going to complain except me. And then yeah. maybe you'll get a lingerie selfie from me guiltily via Twitter. This has been such a good chat. Thank you. Um, like really good, really good things for new clients to hear. And I've like, yeah, I think I've learned a few things and reframed a few things. So thank you. I do have one last story. Please. Uh, I, I had uh, one other sex worker uh, send me photos. Uh, uh, and it was deeply appreciated. Uh, they had been at a shoot and took some extra ones. And they took them with a gift that I had given them, a little uh, uh, a little mug. And, oh, man, that melted me. 
I'm easy. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't take I'm so much. sorry I trashed mugs with dogs on them before. If she loved the mug, she loved the mug. Thank you. Uh, yeah. But again, you know, some of that is, yeah, uh, communication. But thank you so much, Georgie. This has been fantastic. Oh, you're wonderful. You're, you're wonderful. Thank you. And um, I'll be sure to uh, keep sharing the pictures of the things I purchased with your donations on Twitter because it makes me happy <laughs> and clearly it makes you happy too. Um, yeah, just lovely. It's appreciated. Thanks for joining us. If you want to become an expert client, head on over to the website satisfactionproject.com for more articles, your questions answered, and exclusive member-only content. After all, wise clients are the best clients. Stick with us and you'll be well on your way to having those peak experiences with sex workers that make life worth living. Thank you.